Okay, let's get it. It is Locked on LSU, your team every day. I'm Matt Moscona, and as you can probably tell, not feeling too great. A little under the weather, but we're going to plow through here. My apologies for my voice, but um, got sick while in Atlanta covering the SEC championship game. But uh, what a weekend it was. So we're going to try to plow through here over the next 20 minutes or so. Hopefully you'll bear with my voice because we've got a lot to talk about. LSU is the SEC champion. They are number one in the college football playoff. And we now know the Tigers are headed back to Atlanta to take on Oklahoma in the Peach Bowl in the first of the two national semifinals. It will be Ohio State and Clemson in the Fiesta Bowl. Let me start with uh, just sequentially. We'll go through the SEC championship game against Georgia then the committee's decision to move LSU to number one. Then we'll talk Heisman this weekend and, of course, uh, Oklahoma uh, to come on uh, December the 28th. I thought um, LSU, as we now know, thoroughly dominated Georgia, and ultimately that is what allowed the committee to move LSU back to the number one spot when you have just such a thorough domination of the committee's fourth-ranked team. And look, Georgia came out, and I was a little curious what they do. There were two things Georgia could elect to do in the ballgame. They could either play their style, which was run the ball, play defense, try to shorten the game, best defense, uh, best offense, you know, best defense, good offense, keep you know, the ball out of Joe Burrow's hands. But ultimately, as we know, LSU is too explosive offensively, and if you try to play that style of game, it's just not sustainable. And Kirby and Georgia came out chucking the ball. As a matter of fact, in the first play of the game, they, they uh, off a play action, threw a deep ball down the middle of the field that their receiver dropped. And... They had some opportunities. Jake Fromm on that first possession, uh, actually on his second possession, on a third and ten, had a receiver streaking across the field on the right numbers uh, and underneath the safety, and Fromm just flat missed him. He overshot him. And LSU, however, was clicking <clears throat> early. Uh, Tigers scored on their first possession. Uh, <laughs> Burrow caught a pass to himself where it was deflected back to himself. Ultimately, Jamar Chase caught that touchdown pass that converted a third and 10 uh, to, uh, to Terrace Marshall. And look, the Tigers were sitting there at, uh, you know, going into the half at 17 to three. And, you know, I, I was in the press box and there was a, uh, a Georgia writer who said, well, man, that couldn't have gone any worse for Georgia. And I thought to myself, well, Cade York missed a field goal and Terrace Marshall dropped what would have been a 71 yard touchdown pass. It could have been much worse, actually. For Georgia, uh, Jake Fromm was injured uh, in the second quarter, uh, but did return to the ball game. And I thought the play that really was the play um, that allowed the game to change was Derek Stingley's interception in in the end of the the, uh, the second quarter, the end of the first half. If you remember, man. Uh, it's 17-3 to at that point. Cade York had just hit a 41-yard field goal. And the Tigers are up 17-3, to but Georgia was driving. And the ball that Stingley picked, man, in the stadium, Georgia fans had kind of let out a cheer because they thought their receiver had high-pointed it, but Stingley ultimately came down with it. And if that became a touchdown, all of a sudden, now you're talking about a 17-10 to ball game, and the Tigers are getting the ball there to, uh, to wrap up the, uh, the, the first half. They're getting the ball to start the second half. And ultimately, with that interception, it kept it a two-score game, and the Tigers now getting the ball and then ball again to start the second half. This was the opportunity where LSU had the chance to separate but didn't. Uh, they put together a nice drive at the end of the first half, which started at their own 13 with a minute 39. Uh, but the drive stalled, and 
uh, LSU settled for a 48-yard field goal attempt, which Cade York missed. And then to start the second half, they started again on their own 13 after Torrey Carter was hit with a targeting call, which was just a, a filthy, disgusting, dirty hit, and there's no place for it. But they put together uh, seven first downs on that first drive of the, of the third quarter. Seven first downs, but still Joe Burrow uh, got sacked on second down uh, and goal on third and 10 through an incomplete pass into the end zone, and the Tigers had to settle for a 28-yard field goal. So at that point, Georgia still kind of felt like they were in it. But on the next possession for the Bulldogs, um, they missed another field goal. Then LSU went down and scored a touchdown to make it 27-3. to Then Derek Stingley got the pick. Tigers scored again quickly. And just like that in a blink, it was 34-3. to And that's why I think Kirby knew all along you can't play that style of game against LSU where you're just playing a slow-it-down, keep-away game because if you try to do that, the avalanche is going to come, and it's going to come quickly because it's come quickly against everybody that LSU's played this year. And you've got to try to score, which is why as we look forward into the playoff, I'm not so sure that Oklahoma is a great matchup against LSU because I do think Oklahoma can score, but I've watched them struggle. I watched them struggle offensively against Baylor this last weekend. You give Dave Aranda three weeks to get ready, I'm not so sure that that, that Oklahoma offense is poised to keep pace. But we will talk about that a bit later in the show. A couple of other things, though, uh, I want to let you hear. Uh, Joe Brady, uh, comments from Joe Brady have been few and far between, but he did um, – speak with Ross Dellinger after the game and uh, and made some comments, particular about his future at LSU. But you, is your future here next year? Absolutely. Absolutely. Have yeah, spoken I, to LSU about, about that? I'm not going to comment on that stuff. Right now I'm just going to enjoy, enjoy some time with the guys. The question was, is your future at LSU next year? And he said, quote, absolutely. So that's a, a big relief for LSU fans. Wouldn't go into any more specifics, but Brady did talk about the success and the culture at LSU. Yeah, I mean, that's that's LSU. That's Louisiana. I mean, uh, you know, I think it's the culture here of, you know, whatever we can do to, for everybody else to have success, whatever we can do to, to win, that's what we're going to do. And, uh, you know, and I think you have a you have a, a group of players, you have a staff that are going to find anything to do to go 1-0, and, and, um, and I think that's pretty special. So the Tigers win the SEC championship, and they wait Sunday morning to find out where they'll be headed for the national semifinal, which is where we'll semifinal, which is where March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Well, the committee got it right. After all of the hand-wringing, the arguing, the ranting from people like yours truly, the committee got it right. And uh, LSU ends up as the number one seed in the college football playoff. Ohio State, number two. Clemson, number three. And then Oklahoma, moves up to the four spot after they beat Baylor in overtime in the Big 12 championship game. And, of course, Utah losing to Oregon in the Pac-12 championship game and Georgia losing to LSU opened that door for Oklahoma to get in. Uh, We'll talk about LSU-Oklahoma here in a second, but I did want to talk about the committee's decision. And, first of all, a couple of observations from the LSU side. 
Number one, Ed Ogeron repeatedly said they don't care if they're number one. Uh, Joe Burrow, after the game, said, we'll go anywhere. We'll go to Canada and play in a gravel lot if that's what they want us to do. And I think that's one of those instances where when Ed Ogeron says we don't talk about it with our team, I think you could tell by the reaction there that he was being sincere, that LSU didn't care where they were seated, where they played, that they feel like they have a loaded gun this year, they're willing to take on anybody. And I think that's justified. But I also think we're in a system in college football where uh, because subjectivity matters, as we've talked about, it opens the door for discussion. And when you look at the resume side by side of what LSU did and what Oklahoma, or what Ohio State did, it doesn't feel like there's really any comparison between the two with LSU and Ohio State. And my hope is and, and has been that this is how it would play out. But ultimately, what the committee did by providing us a month's worth of rankings was give us nothing but a month worth of arguing over nothing. Because if we think of it this way, and this might be hard in hindsight to do, but if you can think of, of what yesterday, what Sunday would have been like had we not had a month's worth of rankings leading up to yesterday. The AP poll had LSU decidedly number one. The coaches poll had LSU decidedly number one. There wasn't really much conversation outside of the committee about who was number one. But the committee, in continuing their flip-flopping of LSU and Ohio State, uh, ultimately opened the door for that very contentious debate. And if all that had happened was we show up on Selection Sunday, everyone shows up there anticipating LSU being the number one team in the country. And the, it's, it's kind of the odd thing about how this plays out, and it makes you wonder, is the committee really interested in anything other than, is the committee interested in anything other than conversation? The TV show around the, the selection show, you know, the, the rankings show that we get every Tuesday, it really feels like that's nothing but an opportunity to, to, to create conversation. But what it ends up doing, though, also is something that I don't like, which is, in, and this was on display, if you were watching the SEC championship game, in the fourth quarter, you're inside of eight minutes to play, and LSU's up four touchdowns, and they still got Joe Burrow in the game. They still got Clyde Edwards-Elair in the game. Clyde ended up limping to the sideline at one point. With under five minutes to play, Christian Fulton came up lame was no reason up four touchdowns in that game with so much still to play for that LSU should have their starters in. But I don't think there's any doubt that Ed Ogeron and his staff in that moment are thinking, man, remember Ole Miss? Remember what happened when we played Ole Miss? Played Ole Miss, we're up 31-7, to we exhaled, relaxed a little bit, and we gave up a bunch of rushing yards and points in the second half to Ole Miss, and the committee looked at us and said, our defense isn't good enough. So they put Ohio State ahead. And so I think in some respects, LSU was looking at that thinking, you can't take your foot off the gas because you have to impress this room of 13 people. Similarly, when you look at the Ohio State game, whenever they were in a dogfight with Wisconsin, Wisconsin had a 14-point lead in the first half, I think you saw that it wasn't going to be as complete a performance you know, that wouldn't mirror what LSU did to Georgia, and LSU was going to have a great chance to leap Ohio State. But ultimately, 
if we had never had those rankings that suggested Ohio State was ahead of LSU, we always always would have believed that LSU was the number one team either way. And nobody would have been surprised by the rankings yesterday. But as it is, they got it right. And even still, they continued to try, impossibly continued to try to prop up um, the, the Ohio State's resume. Uh, Alabama, without playing, dropped to number 13. Cincinnati, after losing again, dropped just one spot to 21. So a three-loss team from the American Athletic Conference remains in the top 25, which is just absurd. But in the end, they got it right in the end. LSU moved to number one. Ohio State fell to number two, and that's how it should be. Look, I mean, if you were watching the, the Big Ten championship game on Saturday night, Joel Clad, who's on the Fox broadcast, and obviously covering the Big Ten, starts lobbying for Ohio State to be number one. And one of the criteria was the the margin of victory against top 25 teams and the average margin of victory. And by that metric, and this is the absurdity of the argument, by that metric, what Joel Clad, who played college football, what he's arguing is that Ohio State's 42 to nothing win over Cincinnati is more impressive than LSU's five-point win at Alabama. Think about that for a second. Would any human being who watched college football this year look at that and say that Ohio State's home win in September is more impressive than LSU's road win in Tuscaloosa in November? No shot. But when you when the point is you can make any statistic, any metric, do what you want it to do to prop up your argument. And ultimately what has to stand up is we watched LSU play on the road at Texas. We saw them beat Florida, beat Auburn, win at Bama, throttle A&M, beat number four Georgia in Atlanta in a waxing, and, and they're going to have the Heisman Trophy winner. And this was not and should not have at any point been a, a true debate. Uh, LSU was and is and deserves to be the top-rated team going into this playoff. And for that, they get a favorable draw, which we'll talk about when we come back here on the Locked on LSU podcast, your team every day. So we learned on Sunday the Tigers, as the one seed, will head right back uh, from where they came. They will play in Atlanta in the Peach Bowl against fourth-seeded Oklahoma. Sooners on the year are 12-1. They are the Big 12 champion after beating Baylor on Saturday in overtime in the Big 12 championship game. And here's what Ed Ogeron had to say about going right back to Atlanta. First of all, we love it. Uh, what a great stadium. I think for me, it will help your team. It doesn't mean you're going to win the game, but it just means that you're familiar with it and the guys uh, know the surroundings. To be honest with you, we didn't know where we were. And uh, we're fortunate uh, that we're, uh, we're able to play a great team like Oklahoma. We're fortunate that we can go back to Atlanta because we feel that's strong and so we have a lot of fans there. So they worked out in our favor. Uh, that's just the way the ball bounced. Atlanta won't be the only familiar part of uh, of this game. Of course, LSU is going to face Jalen Hurts, who they faced as the starting quarterback of the uh, Alabama Crimson Tide twice, both in 2016 and then in Tuscaloosa in 2017. Here was Ed Ogeron on Jalen Hurts. Well, you know, obviously we played against him before. He's an outstanding player, and he actually beat us with, with his feet. He made some big plays with his feet, and, and he threw the ball very well. I haven't watched him at all this year, but I have watched Coach uh, Riley's offense, especially that counter read. I've asked him about it, and uh, I think they're one of the best in the country of running what they do on offense. They're very difficult to stop. 
Coach Riley, of course, being Lincoln Riley, the head coach of the Oklahoma Sooners, who also participated in the Peach Bowl teleconference and was asked the same question if Jalen having played against LSU is any kind of an advantage. Uh, I mean, I don't think it hurts. I, uh, does it Does it make a huge difference? I don't know. Probably having been, you know, played in the playoffs, um, you know, and handling just all the all the hype and all the, you know, all the outside noise that comes along with this, I, I would think he's, you know, going to be as prepared as anybody going into that. But, uh, you know, obviously he's doing it in a different place. This is a different LSU team. I mean, there's there's so many different factors too. So um, if it is an advantage, that's great. But we, you know, we got to go take it for what it is right now. And that's just, again, kind of staying here in the present. And one more from Lincoln Riley talking about his defense preparing to stop LSU. Oh uh, yeah, no defensively, no doubt we've played played very well this year. Uh, guys have bought into a, a new system, a new culture, new mentality. Certainly on that side of the ball, and you know while we're still certainly improving, we've we've done a lot of good things, and we think made some made some good progress. You know, you know obviously LSU is tough to stop. They've they've done a great job all year. You know Joe Burrow's you know had a, had a great run. Obviously played extremely well at the quarterback position. You know a lot of dynamic playmakers on the outside and. You know, from what I've been able to see so far, you know their, their offensive line has done a great job as well. So, yeah, give them credit. You know, they're 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 really good. They do a great job. You know, except fortunately for us, we we do through the years get to see a bunch of really good offenses, but they're certainly be as good as we face. So it will be LSU and Oklahoma in the first game on Saturday, December the twenty eighth. It'll be followed up in prime time by the second seeded Ohio State, the third seeded Clemson Tigers. LSU is an early 13-point favorite over Oklahoma in that ball game, and they're very similar offensively. LSU averages 47 a game, Oklahoma 43. Defensively, Oklahoma allows 24, LSU allows 21, although the Tiger defense has been playing better of late. We'll preview the game. Both teams are very balanced. Uh, Oklahoma allows 330 yards a game, LSU 341. So both the stat sheet looks very similar for both. I think the difference is LSU playing at a completely different level defensively over the last month, and certainly Joe Burrow, who is the best player in college football and will win the Heisman on Saturday, which uh, Ed Ogeron completely endorses. In my opinion, he's the best player in the country. In my opinion, he should win it. In my opinion, he's going to win it. But you know what the best thing about Joe? He's a team player, and all he wants to do is win this game. Individual awards are not high on his list. Uh, That's what makes him such a great team player. What a time it is to be an LSU fan. Tigers are in the college football playoff for the first time. They're the SEC champion for the first time since 2011. And on Saturday, Joe Burrow will win the Heisman Trophy, becoming LSU's second winner in program history, the first since Dr. Billy Cannon won it 60 years ago in 1959. Lots to talk about this week as we count down to that Heisman ceremony and continue to discuss LSU and Oklahoma over the next three weeks. We'll be here for it. Locked on LSU, your team every day.